listening to season 2 episode 6 of Mumble Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. I am Prashanthini and I am Aishwarya. Today we are going to discuss the events leading up to Ron turning into crab. Let's start with a summary. When we last left off, Harry was beginning to question if he could really be the heir of Slytherin. After all, he can speak Parseltongue and the sorting hat wanted to place him in Slytherin. But before investigating anything else, Harry decides to find Justin Finch Fletcher and explain what happened the previous night. When attempting to find Justin, Harry overhears a bunch of Hufflepuffs discussing the probability of his being the heir and attacking Muggleborn students. When he asks them about Justin, they react fearfully and with accusations. Angry, Harry decides to return back to Gryffindor Tower. On his way back, he stumbles across a petrified Justin Finch Fletchley, just the person he was looking for, and the blackened shade of nearly headless Nick. When Peeves alerts everyone to the proceedings, McGonagall clears the corridor and escorts Harry to Dumbledore's office. While waiting for Dumbledore, Harry pokes around his office and finds the sorting hat that tells him that it stands by its decision and he'd have done well in Slytherin. Just as he's looking around for something to distract him, Dumbledore's bird catches on fire, but Dumbledore assures him that it's all right because it's a phoenix. Hagrid rushes into Dumbledore's office to proclaim Harry's innocence and Dumbledore reassures him that he doesn't think that Harry is responsible. When Dumbledore invites Harry to confide in him, Harry declines. It's Christmas day by the time the polyjuice potion is ready. Hermione makes a plan to knock Crab and Goyle out with a sleeping draught so that Ron and Harry can assume their identities. Her plan is to use the hair she plucked off Millicent Bulstrode's robes from the dueling club. The plan goes off without a hitch and Harry becomes a replica of Goyle, Ron of Crab. However, Hermione refuses to come out of her stall so Harry and Ron set off alone. Unfortunately, they find out that all their effort was for vain because Malfoy says he doesn't know who the heir is. They nearly get made but they manage to make it out of the Slytherin common room before their identities are revealed. Hermione however is still in her stall when they get back because the hair she added to her potion turned out to belong to a cat. These set of events are all about the heir of Slytherin. Harry doubts himself then he goes back to doubting Malfoy and they find out that uh, Malfoy is not the heir of Slytherin. you would think that the whole school would be go- trying to find out who the heir of slytherin is but since they made a premature assumption that they seem to that seem to be actually be true from outside they are not questioning their own judgments but these three know the truth and they are continuing to probe into this mystery i found it really weird that when harry is thinking about how you know could he be a slytherin and that he doesn't know anything about his father's family He goes on to remember how the Dursleys had forbidden questions about his visiting relatives. What? <laughs> the Dursleys are muggles who pretend wizards aren't real. Of yeah, course they're have, never going to bring it up. He should have found out more about his family. No, there are so many else. other ways. If he was too lazy to do it himself, he could have asked Hermione. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Hermione hasn't already done it. In any case, until now he's never had the necessity to go find out if there are any bad eggs in his family so right now he does have the necessity but even then you don't see him running to the library or like talking to his parents' friends or or anything like that he has no idea who his parents' friends are he seems to have like a suspicious amount of mistrust when it comes to elders any person with authority and he never confides in them actually it's not that much of a surprise considering he was bullied when he was in school right before hogwarts mm. that of course he doesn't trust authority because they didn't never did anything to save him 
even though he doesn't explicitly say that you can see from his actions that he never asks help from anybody who's older than him even with hagrid he tries to get information but he never confides in him that's true so that's one of the biggest reasons why the story moves in harry potter that's true <laughs> none of them want to confide in anybody who can actually make a change and given that last time they tried to do that with mcgonagall in the previous year yeah. she basically brushed them off and that just proves to harry people with authority are unreliable also he has a surprising lack of curiosity for things that are not directly affecting him he is now concerned that he might be the heir of slytherin but it's still not driving him to go out and be like prove that he's not the heir of slytherin Hmm. He's just like lies there and worries about it. I think on some level he's also wondering if he really is, is yeah. or if he's making it happen on some level because mainly because he's also hearing those voices. If it hadn't been for that, I don't think he would question uh, his own sanity. But this set of events start with the herbology class being cancelled because it's snowing and Professor Sprout wants to protect the mandrakes from snow to make sure that Colin Creevy and Mrs Norris are able to use the mandrakes to get back to life. Putting socks and scarves on the mandrakes is a really funny picture though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But on any other day this would have been a cause for celebration like class being cancelled and there's snow all around. You're like cozily sitting next to the fireplace and it's just like so cruel to have really crazy stuff happen around you when things are so cozy like you can just sit back and relax if <laughs> if crazy stuff didn't happen only harry feels like that though because ron and hermione are perfectly happy sitting next to the fireplace and playing chess but it's just harry who's like you know all that stuff that happened yesterday i have to find justin and apologize to him and he was counting on that herbology class to do it not apologize explaining himself yes or he thinks that he'd see justin the next day in herbology and he'd explain that he'd been calling the snake off not egging it on which he thought angrily pummeling his pillow any fool should have realized So he decides to strike out on his own and find the Hufflepuffs. He thinks, you know what, maybe they're in the library. So he goes to the library and, well, basically, eavesdroppers hear nothing good about themselves comes true for Harry. I hated the Hufflepuff who was giving the sermon, Ernie Macmillan. Actually, the point that he makes is not entirely inaccurate. So no one knows how Harry survived as a baby. The theory that, you know what, maybe he survived because he is also a dark wizard with dark powers himself is not totally off-base. No whatever he says makes sense he's rationalizing in a way that's not like personal so one of the things he says is remember what was written on the wall enemies of the air beware potter had some sort of run in with filch next thing we know filch's cats attacked that first year creevy was annoying potter at the quidditch match taking pictures of him while he was lying in the mud next thing we know creevy's been attacked it also makes sense in a way that enemies of the air can just mean like enemies in the sense that people who make harry mad as opposed to enemies in the sense that muggle bonds are enemies there's also a comforting element to this sort of that uh, it's not that muggle bonds are being chosen at random so everybody should be scared but only the ones that are not harry <laughs> But the logic that Ernie Macmillan uses to rationalize Harry's hatred towards Muggle-borns is ridiculous. I mean, his best friend is a Muggle-born, but Harry must hate them because he hates the Muggles he lives with. And Harry has a nice retort for that. It's not possible to live with the Dursleys and not hate them, said Harry. I'd like to see you try it. It's a very bad situation to be in. Even in the first book, this happened around the end of the year he lost a lot of points and people started gossiping behind his back but people were ignoring him then now people are actively gossiping about him behind his back 
yeah and also of doing such terrible things and at least he had some company back then like even harmony and neville were there but this time he's like truly alone he's so angry and he marches out of the library and he runs head first into into hagrid who has a dead rooster in his hand Hagrid thinks that a lot of roosters keep dying and he suspects foxes or blood-sucking bugbears. I thought it was interesting that he says he wanted the headmaster's permission. That's because Hagrid's been expelled, right? Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't say Dumbledore's permission. He says headmaster's permission. As if it's not a personal can I do magic thing. Hagrid is not personally asking Dumbledore whether he can do magic. It's more like an official request. It's a process. Yeah. It's interesting just like students are not allowed to do magic even teachers have like severe limits on what they can and cannot do within the school I think that is only Hagrid because he was expelled and he's not allowed to do magic hmm. whereas I don't think someone like McGonagall would have had to ask permission even if it was the process she might not have need to needed to ask but Hagrid could get help from anybody If you're not allowed to do magic, you're not allowed to do magic. Just asking for permission doesn't make sense. But and he's not even Hag- supposed to have his wand. But Hagrid is allowed to do things under special circumstances, like in book one. That's exactly why I'm saying it's interesting that he said headmaster and not Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Because that was a personal favor to Dumbledore. You sure you're all right? You look all hot and bothered. Harry does get a chance to confide in Hagrid to talk to him about maybe the other things that are, that are bothering him. He can talk about how... the school is suspecting him of being Slytherin's hire but not talk about what happened with the sorting hat right but he doesn't even trust anybody to that extent is he afraid that if word gets out he might be blamed even more for things that are, that are happening or what is really driving him to not talk to people i don't understand he doesn't confide in even ron and hermione yeah he has never told the story about the sorting hat to anybody that makes a lot of sense but Everybody now knows that, that he's a parcel mouth. Everybody assumes that he is the heir of Slytherin and that is something he can talk about because it's a common knowledge. I'm just surprised that he doesn't even want to talk about that. But then he misses the chance which he could have taken and avoided being in a very terrible situation again, but he didn't and he again runs into a petrified Justin Finch Fletchley's body and the ghost of nearly headless Nick floating near him. I like the way Harry's reaction is described. He turned to squint at what he'd fallen over and felt as though his stomach had dissolved. What can possibly attack a ghost? And that's one of the things that the whole school gets really worried about. If there is something that can attack something that's already dead, how powerful can it be? How can we ever stop it? Who's doing it? You know, Nick also really ties into the theme that people who annoy Harry have been attacked. Like he didn't invite him to the death day party. No, I think that's a stretch. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Still, something... Justin makes perfect sense. Mm. Nick just could be collateral damage. Yeah. <laughs> And Justin getting attacked is something that the Hufflepuffs were predicting. Mm. In fact, Ernie says that he told Justin to like lay low and like be in the tower and not come out of it. I wonder why Justin came out. Maybe he was just like, I'm going to go to the library. Mm. I like that Ernie Macmillan gets in a good dramatic shout mm. before McGonagall like shots him down. caught in the act and i like how peeves gets over his initial shock and then like frames like a, a song song for it <laughs> oh potter you rotter oh what have you done you're killing off students you think it's good fun beautiful yeah but mcgonagall like 
shoes everybody away really quickly and mm-hmm. they move just into the hospital dormitory no one's really sure what to do with nick so she like just finds a fan and has a only fan him up the stairs to the hospital wing the physics of all this is really baffling me also like how do they cure a ghost like i told you in the last episode i think i've given up on questioning anything related to, to ghosts, ghosts anymore and then mcgonagall tells harry that it's now it's out of her hands and he's been caught like twice in the scene of crime so she takes him to dumbledore when they get to dumbledore's office what's the password again lemon drops lemon Andy. drops i think jk rowling has been establishing that dumbledore's a foodie since <laughs> book 1 dumbledore is man after my own heart <laughs> and his office sounds delightful seriously mm-hmm. it's a circular room and i also like the idea that they have portraits of headmasters they're all snoozing currently but i imagine that with a portrait well if you did want advice there are so many other people who have been in similar situations before you who can possibly offer it yeah but it also means that if you're ever called up to the headmaster's office not only are you facing the current headmaster but you're facing like generations before it also yeah <laughs> i like that there are like really curious little silver in- instruments all around which just goes to show that dumbledore even is though he's the headmaster he's also like a theoretical wizard involved in research yeah. all the things that he's famous for clearly he's still involved in them and we finally get to find out where the sorting hat usually is when it's not sorting yeah and harry immediately has the urge to like try it on again to just find out if whatever the sorting hat said last year was still applicable and the sorting hat says that you've been wondering whether i put you in the right house said the hat smartly yes you were particularly difficult to place but i stand by what i said before harry's heart leapt you would have done well in slytherin What I found really weird was Harry is super disturbed by what the hat just said because it's something he's been obsessing about continuously and he finally gets to ask the hat the original decider about it right except when it says that he he panics and immediately takes it off he doesn't think to ask the sorting hat why he should have been in Slytherin right it it's technically peering into his head mm. so he could have been like am i really like Slytherin's heir like yeah. could do like a dna analysis and immediately like <laughs> determine but harry might not know the limits that the sorting hat would have i mean none of us know but yeah he misses a good opportunity because it seems like a deeply magical object and yeah he could have asked he could have asked it questions except harry like panics just takes it off and then everybody like forgets about the sorting hat because dumbledore's pet bird is on fire <laughs> i love that sentence Harry was just thinking that all he needed was for Dumbledore's pet bird to die while he was alone in the office with it when the bird burst into flames. We get to see another really interesting magical creature. Fox the ugly bird is a phoenix. Sorry, it's just the reaction that Harry has to the bird catching on fire. He looked feverishly around in case there was a glass of water somewhere but couldn't see one. Are you a wizard or what? Yeah, Seriously, true. next thing he would have done is try to use the sorting hat to put out the flames. He literally does that in the first movie mm-hmm. when uh, yeah, Seamus, Seamus, yes. Seamus' feather catches fire and he puts it out <laughs> using his hat. <laughs> That's the exact moment when Dumbledore walks in and he somehow seems to already know what happened. It's not a long meeting actually. Dumbledore just spends most of the time talking about his bird mm. and how it's useful like it can carry heavy loads and it's like a very loyal pet. Yeah, there's like a sudden care yeah. of magical creatures lesson there. Yeah. Like <laughs> Harry is there expecting like suspension expulsion and then there's like a care of magical creatures <laughs> lesson going. Dumbledore seems to have only one question to ask which I find was really strange. I must ask you Harry whether there is anything you'd like to tell me. 
he said gently. Anything at all? I think it's one of those situations where Dumbledore thought if he asked that question, if Harry had chosen to like tell him things, he could have pieced together things. So let's look at it from Dumbledore's point of view. All he knows is that the Chamber of Secrets was opened before. He knows who did it. He just doesn't know how they're doing it right now. So in a way, he understands that Harry may not be involved. And he knows that Harry is being blamed by the school. He knows that Harry was caught twice at the scene of crime. Instead of just leaving it at the question, he could have reassured him in some way. Even though Harry does not use the chance to confide in Dumbledore, Dumbledore could have used the chance to make sure that Harry's sanity is intact. I know, after all, Harry's a 12-year-old boy. Or maybe part of him does suspect Harry. I would have expected some kind of reassurance. And the lack of it makes me think that maybe Dumbledore does suspect something. After the very quick meeting with Dumbledore, Harry comes out and the school is like again abuzz with rumors. random theories and rumors. And everybody as expected is really upset about nearly headless Nick getting attacked. This time around, unlike unlike last year when Fred and George were not talking Harry because he lost points, this time around they find the rumors about him being the yes. heir of Slytherin ridiculous. They're like using it to make comedy and... Make way for the heir of Slytherin, seriously evil wizard coming through. Harry seems to like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does because they're not treating him differently. They understand that it's really absurd. But I guess it's kind of adding to the atmosphere also, which is why when like Christmas holidays comes around, everybody nearly gets into a stampede to signing up to go home. I'm surprised that Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are okay with their children being in Hogwarts when they probably know that the situation is not good. And the fact that most of the children's parents don't don't really seem to worry about sending their kids back to school or like letting them remain at school makes me think that either it has not reached as many parents as we would expect or they all trust Dumbledore to that extent. And what about, well, Colin's a muggle-born and how was this absence explained away to his parents? Were they told the truth or... Then there's Justin. Quite sad. I mean, Muggleborns being attacked is the worst thing because parents are already figuring out about a new world that exists. And then now on top of it, they have to understand what kind of dangers and like yeah. what extent of dangers can exist in this I world. I also wonder how much inaction is also is because Muggleborns are being attacked. Because yeah, I'm sure the pure blood most, and half blood. Yeah, yeah, most wizarding families would not be so bothered because they are like, oh, it's a Muggleborn thing. Even if they don't care about the Muggleborns, what if it was the Purebloods yeah. got uh, got caught in the crossfire or something? But anyway, a lot of students decide to not stay at Hogwarts, but the Weasleys are there, and so is Malfoy and his two sidekicks, Crab and Goyle. I love Harry's Christmas presents. Hedwig is back. <laughs> Hedwig is back. Yeah. yeah. She brings a present from the Dursleys who give him a toothpick <laughs> and ask if he can stay there for summer holidays also. Yeah. That would have been easier for him. Yeah. Ron gives Harry a book about the Quidditch team that Ron likes. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down too. Is Chudley Cannon's Harry's favorite Quidditch no. team too? We have no idea what Harry's favorite Quidditch team is. He never yeah. mentions it. Yeah. And mm. Hermione gives him something practical and useful. A quill. You said Quill and I remembered 
Lockhart's infamous peacock quill. <laughs> and I found it really unnerving that Lockhart was not seen in these chapters at all. Yeah, I know. Surprising. <laughs> you think you'd yeah. have like, done everything he can to like teach yeah. some more or like After the make a big and... show of hunting down Slytherin's monster in the castle. Organized have... monster hunting expeditions. Exactly. Monster hunting expedition does sound cool. <laughs> Hermione tells Harry and Ron that that the polyjuice potion is finally ready. After listening to Hermione's plan, Ron is like, "When Hermione had bustled off to check on the polyjuice potion again, Ron turned to Harry with a doom-laden expression. Have you ever heard of a plan where so many things could go wrong?" Hermione's plans are always a little complicated. There are so many elements to this that can go wrong. For instance, they might not have been able to like get Into in- ingredients from Slytherin uh-huh. thing. The polyjuice potion is a very complex potion and could have gone wrong. It could like have ruled one of them up forever. They could possibly have not found the Slytherin common room. Mm-hmm. The polyjuice potion only gives them an hour, but they don't have backup. How are they so sure that the minute they go up to Malfoy and be like, "Are you there, of Slytherin?" Malfoy is just going to be like, "Yeah, no," <laughs> something like that. They might have had to like work Malfoy a little bit, and that there is no accounting for that kind of time at yeah. all. And so incredibly stupid that they go through with this whole plan without even finding out where the, the common room is. Yes, I know. Or like how to get into it. Yes, especially in Christmas time when there are like barely anybody around. Yes, <laughs> the whole plan could have failed just because they could have never found the common room or not yeah. known the password. But one good thing is they have a cauldron full of it, and if they failed the first time, they could come back with more hair. Yes, <laughs> and try it again. In the movie, when they're trying to trap Crab and Goyle, the cakes are floating in midair. It's a really fun scene. They have a really dumb expression when they're eating it. Yeah, <laughs> those guys are really good though. The actors who play Crab and Goyle, because the expressions on their face when they're like eating it, and after when they're like supposed to act like Harry and Ron, yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> Once they go to Morning Myrtle's bathroom and they split up uh, the potion into three glasses and add their own ingredients, and you can see that it changes color. And I am assuming that it changes color based on the person's personality. Everything about everything in Harry Potter reveals character. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're woefully unprepared to actually carry through the plan, they somehow manage to find the Slytherin common room. and Malfoy who let gets them into the common room and Malfoy himself talks his way to the question that they want to ask they don't do much to actually even guide him to that question but all their efforts are completely in vain because Malfoy says he has no idea who the heir of Slytherin is and that he would help the heir if he knew who it was surprisingly the plan goes well but the intent of the plan doesn't yeah like they don't get to find out who the heir actually is but they do get some important information that they they could use ron learns about the secret chamber in the malfoy manor where arthur weasley can check to find very dangerous magical objects i like that uh, we get a little more insight into how much of a politician lucius malfoy is he knows that something like this happened long ago it was before lucius malfoy's time and he has also revealed to his son that someone actually died mm-hmm. when it happened mm-hmm. but he has not given uh, his son enough information and he wants to make sure that he stays out of trouble let's like, do let the other person do this dirty work you can enjoy it but stay out of it mm. another point of view that we get of malfoy here is how he is with his friends or so called friends we just know malfoy through harry's eyes or like harry's friends eyes malfoy is always mean to them 
But it looks like even with his friends, he is the same way. He is like constantly obsessed over the people he hates. And he is like really mean to Crab and Goyle too. That's true. I think this happens in the movie where uh, Goyle is wearing Harry's glasses and he takes them off. And he justifies it to Malfoy saying that they're reading glasses. And Malfoy is like, you can read. <laughs> I think all the humor related to how Crab and Goyle are dumb. Like it starts right when they turn into Crab and Goyle. I actually enjoyed every bit of that because when Harry is like thinking about how to get to Slytherin common room, Ron is like, You don't know how bizarre it is to see Goyle thinking. When they come back, they realize that Hermione is still in the bathroom stall. She is refusing to come out and for some reason, Morning Myrtle is like really, really happy. I know. Turns out the hair that Hermione got from Millicent Bulstrode probably belonged to her pet, a cat. Yeah. So Hermione has turned into a cat. Yeah. Can I just say that the CGI work in the movie is amazing? It's okay. Hermione is a very pretty cat in the movie. <laughs> so they take her to the hospital wing. Take her to the hospital wing because Madame Pomfrey doesn't ask too many questions. Even mm-hmm. when one of her students shows up as a cat. Yeah. And not even a full cat. Yeah. Even last, even the previous year, when Ron is bit by the dragon, uh... She, he gets away by saying he was bitten by a dog or something. First of all, where is the dog? It's Hogwarts. They're not allowed dogs as pets. Fang is there. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good thing that she doesn't ask. I think anybody in this position should be that way. Yeah. You should not like probe too much because people will stop coming to you and that will be even worse. Worse. I agree. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Today's was a really short one. The next episode is called Ron's Friend is Petrified. That's chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary, and chapter 14, Cornelius Fudge. So many exciting things are happening in these two chapters. (laughs) Can talk to us about the episode that you just listened to by leaving a comment on our website. You can also connect with us on Twitter. I am at underscore M-P-R-A-S. And uh, Aishwarya is at Valley Andichim. Our podcast is at Mimblewimble Pod. Until next time. He's off to the Chamber of Secrets for a cup of tea with his fang servant. 